Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. On today's show, we hear from Environment Canada. They released their weather stats from October. Terry Lang talks about the above-average month we saw, as well as precipitation levels. We also hear from Mercantile Consulting on the wheat market and a feature from Canadian country music artist Corb Lund. And farm weather is in its usual spots at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Filling in for Jim, here's Ryan McNally. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by Johnson's Grain. Helping growers contract any type of grain, call 1-800-324-7778. Environment Canada released their October weather stats. It showed Saskatchewan had a warmer than normal month of October. Terry Lang, the meteorologist with Environment Canada, says it was a real mixed bag when it comes to October weather. Temperature-wise, it was uniformly above average across the province. The exception was how it kind of uh, got progressively more above average the farther north that you got, which is sort of unusual. Uh, but we found that the Arctic was uh, really um, warm, exceptionally warm this October. So and it, the further east you were, the, actually, the, the warmer it, uh, it was. So, But everybody sort of uh, benefited from that. There's a couple cold spells, but for the most part, it was above average uh, across the board. With respect to precipitation, now that was a real mixed bag. It was, for the most part, drier than average, but there were some pockets of moisture that were, you know, received by some areas. Uh, mostly the that west central area around Lloydminster, Meadow Lake, in through there, and Regina, Moose Jaw, as well, saw some uh, precipitation. A couple of events go through that there that the rest of the province actually didn't didn't get. So uh, lucky, I guess, if if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, I was going to touch on precipitation later, but I guess despite the uh, still dry, again, really across the province, despite that snow we got and uh, the rain a few days ago, specifically in in the Regina area too. That's right. It was just a couple of places that did uh, benefit from those few uh, systems that went through. The southwest saw that one on the weekend uh, as well. It kind of made its way through the southeastern part of the province, but it missed the northern grain belt and the west central areas altogether. Going back to those temperatures, again, wasn't terribly warm, but certainly uh, pleasant. Were there any records broken on uh, either side for Regina? I don't see any records broken for Regina, although I do know there were a few warm days that it came close to the, the records in and around Regina for sure. And I guess what can we expect to see for November? Well, that's uh, that's a million dollar question, I think. Our weather models are indicating that on average, 
It will be warmer than average. We'll continue on that trend. It is indicating that there's no real chance of it being wetter than average or drier than average. So that doesn't mean it'll be, you know, it won't snow or won't rain or anything like that. It just doesn't see, you know, a big strong signal for it being wetter or drier than average. We are keeping an eye on a weather system that looks like it'll move through the, the province uh, the middle of next week. Depending on where it tracks, it will bring some precipitation to somebody. Right now it's showing it going through the central part of the province. However, we'll keep an eye on it just because it does look like a bit of a weather maker, meaning it could bring snow and wind and, and that type of thing. So the tracks further north might not be as big a deal, but further south it, it certainly uh, could be a bigger deal. Perfect, Terry. That's everything I have for you today. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, just that we've been pretty lucky so far with respect to the weather. I mean, we haven't had any big snowstorms or anything like that. So people should be taking this time to prepare for winter as much as we'd like to deny that it's not coming. It is coming. So take that time to get the winter tires on, get an emergency kit back in the car, dig out the snow gear for the kids, all that kind of stuff. Find your shovels buried on your deck, all that kind of stuff to no, you know, the, the, the nice weather that we do have, we'll see it well above average temperatures later this week. So use that time to uh, to get ready for winter. That was Terry Lang, a meteorologist with Environment Canada, on the weather stats for October and a quick look at November. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting has provided her weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission yesterday afternoon. There were some big tenders in the market last week, and futures remain in the hands of net buyers as they sell cash and buy short futures hedges. Last Friday, D's 21 contract Chicago winter wheat closed at 7.73, up 17 cents on the week. December 21 contract Kansas hardware winter wheat closed at 7.86, up 12 cents on the week. And these 21 Minneapolis hot red spring wheat closed at 10.52, up 39 cents on the week. Minneapolis added double digit digits to the rally, setting new life of contract highs and closing out the month a buck 42 per bushel higher. Matif wheat also hit contract highs. Saudi Arabia, shocked the market by buying almost double the tender amount of 655,000 tons and at prices which looked very aggressive. With 55% of the total sold in the Jan 10 to 20 position, it looked like the bulk was aimed at December execution from the Black Sea, even though the Russian export tax will be near $80 per ton by then. There was also a tender by Egypt for 360,000 tons of wheat. In this tender, Russian and Romanian offers to GASC, which is the Egyptian buying agency, hit new highs at US 364 to 373 per ton C and F. There were no offers from the Ukraine, and GASC bought just the cheapest um, three Russian cargoes. As a result, Matif soared another $10 uh, per ton to 13-year highs on the GASC saga results, 13-year high inflation in the Eurozone and thoughts that the EU is not rationing wheat demand. To continue, here are some of last week's major news in the wheat markets uh, sorted by major wheat origin. We're starting with Canada. 
While there has been widespread precipitation in parts of Western Canada, a large portion of Alberta and Saskatchewan still have soil moisture levels well below average. In fact, the U.S. Plains, the Volga region of Russia, much of the Ukraine and Western Canada presently all have below average moisture levels. Looking at shipping, in shipping week 12, Canadian spring wheat exports recovered slightly from the week to 186,000 tons. Year-to-date exports are just under 3 million tons compared to 4.8 million tons last year-to-date. Wheat exports lagged last year's by 38%, while the crop is about 36% smaller. Canadian Durham exports have slowed, and there was a very small 4.1 thousand ton shipment. This makes for a season total of 739,000 tons. This is 19% less than last year. Canadian farmers have already delivered about 26% of their total production for the year, which is 5% ahead of last year. Global Durham prices continue to rise over the week. Specifically, Durham prices in Italy rose by 15 euros per ton to 538 euros per ton. That compares to Canadian dollar 770.50 or 21 dollars per bushel. Keep in mind that this is delivered northern Italy. The increase in Durham prices indicate Durham users still need coverage. Demand for Durham remains strong as prices rose over the week both domestically and internationally. We have been recommending sales at $21 per bushel or better. Moving on to the U.S. Winter wheat planting in the U.S. is up 10% from last week to 80% complete. This is in line with the five-year average. The first winter wheat crop rating of the season shows that the crop is 46% good to excellent, which is 5% ahead of last year's rating. 55% of the crop has emerged. The five-day outlook for the PNW shows another round of moisture, which should be very helpful. Weekly U.S. wheat sales were just 269,000 tons for a season total of 463 million bushel, still down 22% from last year compared to the USDA projected 12% decline. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting in Winnipeg. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. I'm Kelvin Hepner for Real Agriculture, and uh, we are pleased to be joined now by Canada's uh, reappointed Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food, Marie-Claude Bibot. Minister Bibot, thank you for, uh, for joining us again, and uh, congratulations on, uh, on not only winning your seat, but also being uh, reappointed Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food once again. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited to be back. And certainly, being reappointed to the role, you can, uh, I'm sure you can hit the ground running with, uh, with your familiarity on, uh, on all the key issues. Let's maybe start with your priorities as you uh, get back into, uh, into your office. Uh, what do you see as your top priorities in the coming weeks here? Uh, well, the list is long, but I would say uh, the labor shortage is definitely a, a big, big issue. Everything related to the climate transition, uh, we've seen how hard our farmers have been hit this summer, and uh, it's important that uh, 
we uh, we we work on that and getting ready for the uh, FPC, the Federal Provincial Territorial uh, Agricultural Meet, uh, Ministers Meeting, uh, in in about ten days. So to break each of those down, let, let's start with the labor one. What what do you see as your role in terms of addressing the issues that uh, that producers are are facing on the labor front? Well, one important element is the temporary foreign workers, making sure that these workers can come to Canada uh, safely and timely. And I'm working very closely with Minister Qualtro on on this. Uh, obviously, we're looking at different ways to encourage Canadians uh, to to come into the agricultural sector. As it's working in the farm, of course, it's very interesting. But there's also uh, a, a number of careers. Uh, that that you can you know uh, join in the agricultural sen- uh, sector. Um, investing in childcare is also another way of making sure that uh, that the parents can get back to work uh, faster. We will make some changes in the uh, some fiscal incentives to keep seniors at work a bit longer. And obviously, investing in innovation, automation is another way to tackle this uh, labor challenge. On uh, on the climate front, uh, we've seen Minister Wilkinson uh, move over to the natural resources portfolio, where he is expected to continue to push push climate policy. Uh, Stephen Guibault's appointment, though, as environment minister has, uh, has certainly raised eyebrows given his uh, his activist past and his 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 record and he's of course off to scotland now for the this the cop 26 meeting as the agriculture minister and uh, the voice for the agriculture sector in in cabinet minister bebo how do you approach working with minister gilbo while advocating for and and uh, and standing up for the interests of uh, of our agriculture and agri-food sector well minister gilbo is definitely uh, passionate about uh the the environment uh, and he's also a, a reasonable a reasonable man and actually the agricultural sector we know farmers are the first one to be uh you know to 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 feel the impact of climate change so it's very important that we invest in our agriculture for it to be sustainable to make sure that our soil and water are you know keep them in, in good health for the next generation. So this is why we have put in place already a certain number of programs to support our farmers, to put incentives in place for them to uh, adopt more quickly uh, the best practices we know, uh, such as, you know, uh, cover cropping, rotational grazing, uh, best, better management of the of the nutrients. Uh, we have a big program in place to uh, help them afford uh, more energy efficient technologies uh, such as grain dryers, uh, barn heating. Uh, so so we are doing a lot to support our farmers in this transition and make sure that our agriculture is sustainable. It's important, you know, in terms of the, the resource. And actually, it's also important because the consumers here in Canada and uh, across, you know, in, in our the countries where we export are also asking uh, about, you know, how their food is being produced. Uh, they want to be sure that it's been produced in a sustainable way. So uh, we, it's very important that uh, we, we do our best to, uh, to be leaders in sustainable agriculture. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM.
The official 620 CKRM farm weather brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today with a high of plus 3. Clear tonight, low minus 11 with a wind chill of minus 16 overnight. Sunshine tomorrow, the high of 6 degrees. The wind chill minus 16 in the morning. An overnight low of minus 5. Sunshine on Thursday with a high of 13, a low plus 1. Sunshine on Friday with a high of 11, a low minus 1. Saturday, sunshine with a high of 9 degrees and a low of minus 2. And sunshine on Sunday with a high of 7 and a low of minus 4. Normal high for this time of year is plus 3. The normal low is minus 8. The sun rose this morning at 7.51. It will set this evening at 5.33. Around the province in Saskatoon and Weyburn, it's plus 1. In Estevan, it's 0 degrees. Yorkton also at plus 1. In Swift Current, it's plus 2. Mostly cloudy in Moose Jaw. The wind south at 13. It's plus 4. In Regina, mainly sunny. The wind southeast at 15. It's plus 1. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com and brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Saskatchewan's targeted sector support steering committee has announced a new intake of municipal grant applications under the TSS initiative. Saskatchewan SARM President Ray Orb is pleased to see it. Yeah, of course, you know, uh, RM's can apply for that funding uh, if starting, uh, you know, November 1st, uh, and uh, it will end on February 1st uh, of 2022, so there is assistance there, uh, and uh, I think um, most of the municipalities in Saskatchewan know about this, but certainly it's open to RMs and to urban municipalities. Our ORB talks about what the funding will be used for. Well, there are kinds of uh, projects that uh, will qualify things that will promote um, uh, you know, regional cooperation and things like that. Uh, there have been grants um, also uh, in the past have made available for things like uh, feasibility studies, I know, uh, regional landfills and things like that. Also, uh, governance training for municipal, uh, for elected officials. And, um, you know, I think um, it's well received out in the rural area. And um, I'm hoping that many RMs will, will uh take up the uh, the cause to do this inter-municipal cooperation and capacity building and things like that. There's also a short history of the program. Yes, it's been around for a few years now, and it's actually what it is. It's um, it's revenue sharing. It's, uh, it's taken from the revenue sharing pool that's available to all the municipalities in Saskatchewan. There's a section that's carved off. And that uh, that mon- money is uh, set aside for this initiative. So it's been around for a while and something that was agreed to by both SARM and SUMA. Orb talks about the application process. Yeah, it's very straightforward. The application forms are on the government relations website. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that um, by now most of the administrators uh, know how to do that and where to go to apply for it. So it's actually quite easy. However, Orb says filling out an application doesn't necessarily guarantee an RM's project will be approved. Yeah, there is a there is a, there is a committee that instruct um, 
um, to look at all the projects. Some projects may not apply, you know, might not qualify. Therefore, not everybody may get funding. So I think it's a good system to have that in place. Ray Orb is the president of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumber yard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. There's been a lot of discussion about the fate of the eastern slopes of the Canadian Rockies with a proposed plan to excavate coal from the region. It's a matter that's very close to the heart of country singer Corb Lund, whose ranching family hails from the area, so he knows what effect it would have on land and water for ranchers, farmers, and many other people. He spoke with Alberta reporter Cheryl Brooks. Hi, I'm Sixth generation Albertan, I guess. My triple great grandpa is buried in the Mountain View Cemetery down here. But we've been on the same ranch land for 120 years. And both sides of the family are from Utah originally. And a lot of them came up here before in the 1800s and been raising cattle and farming and ranching ever since. Yep. I mean, I don't do it myself now. I grew up that way, but now I play music, obviously. I, I have some land. I haven't had my own cows for a long time, but... I think about it. <laughs> My family's still very much involved in agriculture. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, too. Like, to you, even though you're not in it yourself specifically anymore, what does it mean to your family? It's important culturally to our family because we've done this forever. But more importantly, rural people will know this, but urban people sometimes don't understand that ranchers, generational ranchers, are some of the original conservationists, and they're very concerned with the soil health and the things like flora and fauna and grazing frequency and, you know, water and that kind of thing. This coal thing is very important to us because of the, the impact it can have on, on this land. And there's not much of this left that hasn't been worked up or developed or subdivided. From what you understand and everything that you've read and heard about what the plan is, how big of an impact will this have on that area or even Alberta in general? If the coal mines succeed in getting a foothold, and it's going to change the face of the province, I think. Because Lloyd's coal policy kept the coal mines out of the Rockies since 1976. And when the government quietly rescinded that last year, it opened up an area the size of Jamaica. I think it's, I don't, I might get this a little wrong, but it's something like 1.5 million acres or something like that. But it's the size of Jamaica in the, in the Rockies. And it's areas, some of them category two, some are category three, some category four. Those are different levels of protection afforded by the original policy the Lawheed people wrote. But this includes a lot of Category 2 land, which was supposed to be completely off-limits. It also includes three major river systems, North Saskatchewan, Red Deer, the Old Man. And as everybody in Ag knows, this is thirsty country. And there's already water allocation problems from time to time. In the last few years, they've been dry. This, this year's been really dry. And one of the major concerns with this is water, 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 water. And it's, it's both quantity and quality quantity in, in that we all know that it's scarce and, and coal mining is water intensive so that water's got to come from somewhere it's most likely we can come out of the rivers upstream number two possibly bigger implication is that nearly every single coal mine comes along with something called selenium contamination of the groundwater and there's no solution to this and the coal companies will tell you oh well, we're working on it and the technology is better but it's like they've tripled the, the ability to do it. Or you know, I'm just paraphrasing. But for example, but but what they mean is now we can get rid of you know nine percent of the contaminants instead of three percent. But they're nowhere near being able to mitigate this. And you can see it across the border in the Elk Valley in BC. Sparwood had to get new water wells. Montana is thinking about suing 
BC because they've contaminated their water downstream from the Elk River. The trout populations have decimated in, in that valley in certain parts of the rivers. And I live in Lethbridge, and I live right downstream on the Old Man. I drink my water directly from the Old Man River, right downstream from the Crow's Nest Pass. So the economic argument doesn't make any sense. There's a few hundred jobs per mine, but you have to balance that against ag jobs and tourism jobs. And most importantly, the unfathomable cost of cleaning up the Old Man River or any of these rivers if, if they contaminate them. About part of Lund's battle against the possibility of that coal mining that could happen along the eastern slopes involves the reworking of his song, This Is My Prairie, where he changes a few of the words to make it more specific to this issue. Today, brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumber yard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. There's been a lot of discussion about the fate of the eastern slopes of the Canadian Rockies with a proposed plan to excavate coal from the region. It's a matter that's very close to the heart of country singer Corb Lund, whose ranching family hails from the area, so he knows what effect it would have on land and water for ranchers, farmers, and many other people. He spoke with Alberta reporter Cheryl Brooks. Hi, I'm sixth-generation Albertan, I guess. My triple great grandpa is buried in the Mountain View Cemetery down here. But we've been on the same ranch land for 120 years, and both sides of the family are from Utah originally, and a lot of them came up here before in the 1800s and been raising cattle and farming and ranching ever since, yep. I mean, I don't do it myself now. I grew up that way, but now I play music, obviously. I, I have some land. I haven't had my own cows for a long time, but... I think about it. <laughs> my family's still very much involved in agriculture. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, too. Like, to you, even though you're not in it yourself specifically anymore, what does it mean to your family? It's important culturally to our family because we've done this forever. But more importantly, rural people will know this, but urban people sometimes don't understand that ranchers, generational ranchers, are some of the original conservationists, and they're very concerned with the soil health and the things like flora and fauna and grazing frequency and, you know, water and that kind of thing. This coal thing is very important to us because of the, the impact it can have on, on this land. And there's not much of this left that hasn't been worked up or developed or subdivided. From what you understand and everything that you've read and heard about what the plan is, how big of an impact will this have on that area or even Alberta in general? If the coal mines succeed in getting a foothold, and it's going to change the face of the province, I think. Because Lloyd coal policy kept the coal mines out of the Rockies since 1976. And when the government quietly rescinded that last year, it opened up an area the size of Jamaica. I think it's, I don't, I might get this a little wrong, but it's something like 1.5 million acres or something like that. But the size of Jamaica in the, in the Rockies. And it's areas, some of them category two, some of them category three, some category four. Those are, different levels of protection afforded by the original policy the Lougheed people wrote. But this includes a lot of Category 2 land, which was supposed to be completely off-limits. It also includes three major river systems, North Saskatchewan, Red Deer, the Old Man. And as everybody in Ag knows, this is thirsty country. And there's already water allocation problems from time to time. In the last few years, they've been dry. This, this year's been really dry. And one of the major concerns with this is water, 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 water. It's, it's both quantity and quality. Quantity in, in that we all know that it's scarce and, and coal mining is water intensive, so that water's got to come from somewhere. It's most likely going to come out of the rivers upstream. Number two, possibly bigger implication is that nearly every single coal mine comes along with something called selenium contamination of the groundwater. And there's no solution to this. 
and the coal companies will tell you, oh, well, we're working on it and the technology is better. But it's like they've tripled the, the ability to do it. Or you know, I'm just paraphrasing, but for example, but but what they mean is now we can get rid of you know nine percent of the contaminants instead of three percent. But they're nowhere near being able to mitigate this. And you can see it across the border in the Elk Valley in BC. Sparwood had to get new water wells. Montana is thinking about suing BC because they've contaminated their water downstream from the Elk River. The trout populations have decimated in in that valley in certain parts of the rivers. And I live in Lethbridge. And I live right downstream on the Old Man. I drink my water directly from the Old Man River, right downstream from the Crow's Nest Pass. So the economic argument doesn't make any sense. There's a few hundred jobs per mine, but you have to balance that against ag jobs and tourism jobs. And most importantly, the unfathomable cost of cleaning up the Old Man River or any of these rivers if, if they contaminate them. Part of Lund's battle against the possibility of that coal mining that could happen along the eastern slopes involves the reworking of his song, This Is My Prairie, where he changes a few of the words to make it more specific to this issue. The Market Updates on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM and Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years, see Nelson GM today. And Western Ag Professional Agronomy, if you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofits.com. Durham was unchanged this morning at 707.72. Feed wheat barley was unchanged at 373.64. Canola is up $9 to 964.62. Flax unchanged at 1,468.62. A lentils unchanged at 986.50. Oats unchanged at 536.53. Yellow peas unchanged at 544.89. Feed wheat unchanged at 261.65. Number one red spring was down 2502 to 448.65. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week in November 2nd. Our last regular sale was on October 27th. The market is softer on butcher cattle. D1 and D2 cows sold from 50 cents to 60 cents. D3 cows sold from 40 cents to 50 cents. Counter cows sold from 25 cents to 35 cents. Good butcher bulls sold from 90 cents to a dollar. We had an Angus pre-sorted calf sale here on Monday, 400 to 450 pound steers averaged $2.41 and sold up to $2.50. 450 to 500 pound steers averaged $2.23 and sold up to $2.49. 500 to 550 pound steers averaged $2.15 and sold up to $2.23. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $2.06 and sold up to $2.11. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged $1.98 and sold up to $2.10. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $1.93 and sold up to $2.01. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $1.90 and sold up to $1.94. Heifers are their usual 30 to 40 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 430 pound black steers at $2.49 a pound, two loads of 500 pound black steers at $2.22 a pound.
pound. Two loads of 550-pound black steers at $2.11 a pound. Two loads of 600-pound black steers at $2.02 a pound. Two loads of 650-pound black steers at $1.97 a pound. A load of 700-pound black steers at $1.94 a pound. And a group of 770-pound exotic steers at $1.89 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is Bill Alford with the Hams Market Commentary for Tuesday, November 2nd. Hams sold 8,200 hogs Monday, selling in a range of 176 to 202 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,000 head, selling in a range of 175 to 192 per CKG. Hams number one sows this week are steady, selling in the range of 54 to 61 cents per pound live weight. Hams cash hog price today is down, and four contract prices open lower this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is up 10 basis points, with a daily exchange rate at 1.2368. And coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Time now for the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. WestJet, Canada's second largest airline, has suspended close to 300 of its employees for not cooperating with the company's mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy. On Saturday, WestJet enacted its policy to follow the federal government's requirement that all employees in federally regulated air, rail, and marine transport sectors are vaccinated against COVID-19. WestJet said yesterday less than 4% of its 7,300 active employees, representing about 290 people, are being placed on a one-month unpaid leave of absence for not being fully vaccinated. The company warned that those who do not comply with its vaccine mandate, quote, may face termination of employment. Regina International Airport saw some wonderful news this morning. The international flight ban at the airport has been lifted, effective November 30th. President and CEO James Bogus says the ban had a very negative effect on the YQR International Airport's business. With the ban lifted, travelers will now be able to fly sunny southern destinations in December. As well, there will be direct flights available to other popular spots like Las Vegas, Orlando, and Phoenix. World leaders promised to protect the world's forests, cut methane emissions, and help South Africa wean itself off of coal at the United Nations Climate Summit today, uh, part of a flurry of deals intended to avert catastrophic global warming. Britain hailed the commitment by over 100 countries to end deforestation in co- the coming decade as the first big achievement of the conference in the Scottish city of Glasgow, known as COP26. But experts noted such promises have been made and broken before. The UK government has said it received commitments from leaders representing more than 85% of the world's forests to halt and reverse deforestation by 2030. More than $19 billion in public and private funds have been pledged toward the plan. On the markets, the TSX is down 68 points to 21,179. The Dow is up 126 to 36,040. Oil is down 40 cents at $83.65 per barrel U.S. And the Canadian dollar is down 21 hundredths of a cent at 80.62 cents U.S. That's a resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. It's brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. For Jim Smalley, I'm Ryan McNitt. 
You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.